Hey leader, David Burke is here, organizational psychologist and author of four best-selling books on helping leaders and teams do their best work ever. And in this episode, we're gonna talk about what most leaders get wrong about culture. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. And I don't know, I've never actually heard the completion of that quote. That, that's probably the, actually at breakfast, that's probably the end of the quote. But it, it's a quote that emphasizes the importance of culture, that importance to the emphasis of the norms and behaviors, the way we act, especially the way we act when you know, people aren't looking, the way we interact with each other when senior leadership isn't there, the actual espoused beliefs and values we have. We know, we know that culture is, is hugely important. We know that culture has a dramatic effect on performance, for example. We know that it has massive effects on engagement, on profitability, all, thing, all other things being equal in terms of knowledge, skills, and abilities, and access to resources. We know that culture is the difference maker between a successful organization, hopefully accounting for lunch and a less successful organization. But even in knowing all of that, there are still a lot of things that leaders get wrong about culture. A lot of their attempts to shape culture are maybe just surface level or not all that in, uh, that effective. Maybe there's an incongruity between the said the stated culture and the actions of leaders, and we could film a whole other video series about that. But in this episode, we're going to share the most common things that leaders get wrong about culture and some ways you can rethink the culture uh, around you on your team and your organization, not only to get them right, but hopefully to increase all of that engagement and performance that we heard was so important. Hopefully to build a culture that maybe stops eating people um, or at least stops eating strategy and actually focuses in on getting stuff done. We're gonna talk about that. Let's get started. So the first thing leaders get wrong about culture is that it's unique. You know, I, I work with organizations from all over the globe except Antarctica for obvious reasons. I work with leaders in a diversity of different industries and, and it's funny because good culture or, or bad culture Everybody assumes their team or their organization's culture is unique. Oh, well, we're, you know, we do things a little bit differently around here and you need to know that before you, or, oh, you, you know, our problems are unique. Really? Do you manage people? Because people are pretty similar. And the truth is when we look at positive organizational cultures, good organizational cultures, what we find is that they're not actually all that unique. You know, it's, a, it's a bit like that Tolstoy novel, Anna Karenina, which opens up with the line that all happy families are alike and every unhappy family is unhappy in its own unique way, uh, culture's kind of like that. It turns out that when you look at teams and organizations that have cultures that actually do bring out the best in people, they're not actually all that unique. Th there can be all different forms of toxic cultures. That could be unique. But positive cultures, not actually all that unique. In fact, when you look at the research and you look at some of uh, at least my favorite studies on organizational culture, what you find is that positive cultures usually have three fundamental elements. And I've talked about them in other prior videos that we'll link somewhere. Uh, we find that, that teams and organizations that have a positive culture, it's a culture marked by a sense of common understanding where everybody, at least on a team, knows each other's knowledge, skills, and abilities, but they also know the person behind that collection of knowledge, skills, and abilities and that, that, those roles and responsibilities. So common understanding, but also psychological safety. It's an organization where people feel free to speak up, feel free to disagree, even disagree with senior leadership. They have to make their case. They can't just vetch, but they feel free to express themselves fully. And as a result, they share more of their uniqueness, their knowledge, skills, and abilities from past experiences. And as a result, we benefit more from the, having that person on our team. You don't get that without psychological safety. That's why it's a huge part of the organization's culture. And the last thing that uh, all, all 
great cultures have is a sense of pro-social purpose, a sense of pro-social motivation, as, as Adam would call it, uh, towards work that benefits others. I like the term purpose because it kind of sets that idea that we're not just motivated to it, we're doing it for a reason. We're doing it for this specific reason, not why, but who. That's the pro-social. You find that strong, positive organizational cultures, they don't just have a great mission statement that they paid some consultant to take senior leaders on an offsite and get inscribed on a couple glass plaques put up in the office that nobody goes to anymore because everybody wants to work remotely. What we find is that it's the companies where it's known specifically throughout the whole organization why we do the work that we do and who is helped by the work that we do, how that work is influencing the lives of our customers, stakeholders, or maybe society as a whole. That's what I mean when I say pro-social. And I've yet to run into, run into, work with, I've yet to find a study that contradicts these three, right? So there may be something else there, like it's a little quirky and fun, or they may be, but fundamentally we have these three elements and that makes culture not all that unique. Great cultures are marked by common understanding, psychological safety, and pro-social purpose. And just like all happy families, they share that in common. The next thing that leaders get wrong about culture is that it's about artifacts. Now, artifacts is a specific word. It's a weird word. I'll explain it in a second. But what I, what I mean is that they think it's about the foosball table in the break room or the free food. They, they think it's about the cool artwork or the fact that we... And that's an artifact. That's a great artifact. And a lot of companies sought to emulate that. So they spent money on expensive kitchens and bringing catering and all that sort of stuff. But, but what he revealed is it's not actually about the food. The food has nothing to do with it, right? Because underneath that was an espoused value, not of being a, a caretaker for your people, but which is important, but an espoused value of collaboration. You see, what he revealed is that you basically could go to any Google campus and you wouldn't find a two-top or single-top table to eat at. We have all of this free food, but you have to eat it at, at a four-person table or a six-person or a long eight, 12-person table. And the reason was that when you were taking that food break, you usually had to leave your silo, your cluster, your existing team, and you would end up sitting next to people from a different department. What would you talk about? Well, you talk about your problems, you share those. And so that collaboration piece is important. Underneath that, right, is a shared basic assumption that none of us are, are brilliant experts, that all of us need to benefit from the diversity of, of each other, and that all of us need to foster a culture where we can go to anybody for help, where we can explore lots of different things, and where these, these collisions and this diversity of ideas makes us all stronger, right? Artifacts, espoused values, shared a basic underlying assumptions. That is what culture is. It's not just what we say as our core values. It's not just these little unique uh, mantras or rituals that we have. It's not the posters we have on the wall. It's not even the free food. It's about what's underneath. That's what's significant about culture. We have a casual dress code or things that are really quite surface level. And it was the researcher Edgar Schein, one of the you know, leading thought leaders, one of the most significant people to contribute to thought around organizational culture who talked about that, that artifacts were really the tip of the iceberg, that there was more to a company culture. In fact, there were artifacts, right? And then there were espoused values, and then there were underlying beliefs, shared assumptions that everybody had in common, right? So think about this. Okay, so there are artifacts. There's the things that we can see those things point to values that are espoused in the organization, but those values are derived by things that we all as part of this culture believe. And in doing so, we build a deeper sense of identity because it's not about the, the foosball table, it's about something deep. I'll give you an example. Uh, more than a decade ago, I was privileged to sit in on a talk with a small group of people led by one of the first um, chief information officers, chief tech people at Google. 
right? This is like employee 30 at Google. And one of the things he talked about was the free food thing, which is an artifact. The fact that, you know, there's, you're never more than like 50 steps away from free food, that there's all these cafeterias throughout every Google campus. The third thing that most leaders get wrong about culture is that it's about the company. You know, I've even said it in the making of this video, and if, if I said organizational or company culture at this point, it's because I forgot to edit it out. But that is the term that we use most often, company culture, organizational culture. And yes, there's sort of a, an outward bound of an organizational culture. But if you think about most people's experience of work, you quickly realize that the team culture matters more. And the best organizations, the best organizational culture is one that focuses on team culture. The role of senior leadership, the role of, of everybody involved in shaping organizational culture is to set the outer limits, right? To set the guide rails, but encourage teams to develop their own unique little idiosyncrasies, their own shared assumptions, their own values that presumably go above and beyond. Don't replace, but add more to the existing company values. I think of it as concentric circles, right? Team culture is more important. Team culture fits inside organizational culture, but we do need to emphasize that. Why do I bring this up? Because this emphasizes that you can't rely on just senior leadership or HR or training and development. You can't rely on company-wide initiatives to shape culture. You're not going to get the deliberately positive culture built on common understanding, psychological safety, and pro-social purpose unless you train individual team leaders, individual managers, and even to some extent individual contributors on why this culture is so important, why it functions at the team level, and you give them the freedom to do things that build microculture on their team that is supportive and not contradictory of organizational culture, but unique to them and brings them out. It's not about company culture. Most people's experience of work is about the team. That's why we always say people don't quit good companies, right? They quit bad managers. They quit bad team cultures. And the best organizations that are renowned for their company culture, almost all of them are, are actually renowned for focusing in on the experience of work, which is primarily a function of team culture. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of the things leaders get wrong about culture, right? I mean, bad leaders get a lot of things wrong about culture. But th these are the things that I find most often when I'm working with an organization that presumably cares about culture. And I think that's most. I truly do believe that most leaders, even at the team level, most leaders care about creating a fantastic employee experience, creating a team culture where everybody feels free to be themselves and to make a contribution towards meaningful work. Most leaders care about that. But these are the three things that can lead to a lot of unintentional damage. If you think that your culture is unique and you need to develop it based off of some you know, very, very unique set of services, mm, go back, think about common understanding, psychological safety, and pro-social purpose. I don't care if you change the names, but those are really the three pillars, the three foundations of a positive culture. So let's focus on those and let's build up from there. If you think that it's just about all of the artifacts, go back and think about how those artifacts are supported by espoused values and shared underlying beliefs, or think about the ways in which your actions might actually be acting in contradiction to those things, right? And, and if you think that it's just about the organizational culture and you focus on big, elaborate, recommendatory interventions and things like that, go back and think about the team. Think about the ways that you can support the people who really shape employee experience most, and that is the individual team leaders, because that team culture is going to matter more. This doesn't mean that you're not a great leader if you're making one of these mistakes. It's that just like every leader, you can get better. And when you do get better, not only about your own leadership, but about shaping the culture on your team, you help your team do their best work ever. 
Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And while you're there, leave a rating and review because it helps share these messages with many, many more people. And if you really liked it and you want to go deeper, then check out the amazing resources we have for you at davidberkuscom slash resources. Guaranteed there's something in there that'll help you or your team do your best work ever.